Coming up on Studios America, riots continue to rip through Minnesota and other parts of the country following the shooting of Dante Wright by a white police officer on Sunday. I'll talk with Police TV's Elijah Schaefer about the violence and looting and whether or not any of it is even justified. And 150 episodes after our last Power Hour, I was able to convince Chad Prather to return for tomorrow night's as well. I will be speaking with him about the effect an event like this could have on his political career as he runs for governor of Texas. You don't want to miss it. Thanks so much for tuning in tonight. Please make sure and do me a favor. Go to my Instagram page at Studios America. We've got exclusive content there and the link in the bio will take you anywhere you need to stream and share this stupid, stupid show. And tomorrow's the day after 150 episodes of dreading it. We are moving forward with the 250th episode anniversary power hour. Yes, 9 p.m. Eastern only on the Stu Does America YouTube channel. We're going to have Chad Prather, Jason Buttrell, Spencer Corson here uh, all to do 60 shots of beer in 60 minutes and then talk politics and news as it happens. It gets sloppier and sloppier as the night goes on, but it's a lot of fun. You do not want to miss it. And of course, wrangling all of us drunkies will be the one and only Sarah Gonzalez from the News and Why It Matters. Again, tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash Stu Does America. Go there now, subscribe, click the bell, make sure you're there for this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. And make sure you participate. Do it with us. Do it at home and send us pictures and videos. It's a lot of fun. Uh, okay, sure seems like Joe Biden's plans to move the troops out of Afghanistan are getting a very different reception from President Trump during his administration. The media continues to show no commitment to the facts or the truth, just blind obsession with the liberal agenda. Let's cut through the hypocrisy and do forever war. Stu does America. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Joe Biden is here to get us out of this war in Afghanistan that Donald Trump already put an end date on. Trump's like, oh, let's get out of this thing in uh, May. We're going to schedule it for May. And then Joe Biden comes in and says, how about September? And the media's like, ooh, swoon. Naturally, friend of the program, Drew Holden, has an expansive Twitter thread on this particular issue. Let's look at some of the hypocrisy from the media, shall we? CNN under Trump. This is just reckless and it's really risky, says Brent Bruin of uh, Trump's plan to withdraw troops from Afghanistan. You're not sharing information with the incoming administration. So the likelihood that something could go wrong is very, very high. CNN under Biden. Former President Obama praised President Biden's bold leadership for his decision to withdraw troops from Afghanistan by September 11th, say that it's time to we recognize that we have accomplished all that we can militarily in America's longest war. Again, from CNN, uh, CNN under uh, Trump, diplomats worry Trump's desire to withdraw U.S. troops risks success of Afghan Taliban talks. CNN under President Biden. President Biden has announced his decision to withdraw American troops from Afghanistan before September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon that led the U.S. into its longest war. And the New York Times under Trump. Oh, well, it's just a news analysis. The Taliban wanted to, the U.S. to leave Afghanistan. Turkey wanted the U.S. out of Syria. And North Korea wanted them to stop military exercises with South Korea. And Trump has now, to some extent, obliged all three, but without getting much in return. Under Biden, the New York Times, we went to Afghanistan because of her horrific attack that happened 20 years ago, President Biden said, announcing a full withdrawal from the country. That cannot explain why we should remain there in 2021. Do you see the tone differences here? How about Time magazine? Under Trump, can Donald Trump accept defeat in Afghanistan? Under Biden, Biden's move brings to an end America's longest war, a long simmering conflict that meant solemn sacrifice for military families and changed so much of the day-to-day -day life for all Americans, even if they don't realize it. And of course, MSNBC, 
MSNBC under Trump. Former president, uh, special presidential envoy Brett McGurk on President Trump pulling troops out of Iraq and Afghanistan. Not only does it sabotage the Biden administration, it also puts our troops at greater risk. Under Biden, Senator Kane says the Biden administration's plan to fully withdraw troops from Afghanistan by September 11th is the right call. I mean, on and on and on. He's got dozens of examples. There's no question the uh, coverage has been typically pathetic and hypocritical. But it's easy to get into a circuitous argument about what is the right thing to do. It's not the easiest thing. And the Taliban helped attack us on 9-11. Right, but we've been there for 20 years. Right, but if we leave, the Taliban's going to take over. Right, but we can't stay there forever. Right, but we should protect our allies who've worked with us. Right, but thousands of American troops have died. Right, but we can't allow them to have died in vain. Right, but this is the, you know, kind of on the other side of the world from us. Right, but the World Trade Center wasn't on the other side of the world. Right, but we don't have to pull out now. We're never going to. And on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And the real issue is, you know, since at least George W. Bush, we haven't really been trying to win in Afghanistan. We're kind of just managing and trying to figure out how to exit. And if we're not trying to win, there's no reason to stay. And look, I want our troops back home. There's about 3,500 of them left in Afghanistan. I think it's a big mistake to tie their exit to September 11th, giving Al-Qaeda and what's left of them and the Taliban undeserved bragging rights. Because look, it's hard to say this worked out exactly how we wanted. I understand that. But it's also hard to say the Taliban won in any meaningful sense. But the main media talking point is that this is our longest war. Our longest war. They say it over and over and over again. Is this a legitimate argument? I don't really think it is. Look, war is terrible. You try to avoid it at all costs. The people over there fighting and training are far braver than I will ever be. But from a national policy sense, this is not a traditional war anymore and hasn't been for a long time. For example, in 2020, there were 11 casualties in Afghanistan. Once again, any troop loss is an incredible tragedy. 11 fatalities is precisely 11 too many. But when you think of an active war over an entire year, you don't think about 11 troops dying. You think of thousands and thousands and thousands. In the Battle of Normandy, we lost 11 troops every six and a half minutes for the entire 24-hour day. And when you look at how these troops died in Afghanistan, it makes this point even more clearly. Two of the 11 died in IED attacks, which you would kind of think of as traditional hostile war casualties. Two more of the 11 died in green on blue attacks, essentially Afghan troops that were supposed to be on our side turning against us. Another two of the 11 died in an airplane crash. Two more of the 11 died in non-hostile vehicle crashes. And the final three of the 11 died in uncategorized non-hostile situations. Essentially, only four soldiers died in hostile attacks over an entire year in Afghanistan. Again, that is precisely four too many. And their sacrifices are incredibly important. But this isn't an active war zone, at least as how we've kind of understand it in our nation's history. So is this really the longest war in our history? Does that mean anything? Here's the thing. It just isn't all that important of a question to answer. Length is about the single worst metric to measure a war. Yes, Afghanistan is technically longer than Vietnam or World War I or World War II or Korea, but would you trade a shorter time for the hundreds of thousands of deaths? You can question the length of a war for valid reasons. The monetary cost, 
the cost for resources, the idea of us inserting ourselves into another nation for that period of time. All of that's legitimate. But it's far less important than the number of lives we have lost. We've changed the way we fight wars. And while there's a lot of problems associated with that, overall, it's a good thing. This is better than the way we used to do it in the most important way. Far less people are dying. That's really, really important. Near the bottom of this list, in terms of casualties, is Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, you have uh, 2,322 in Afghanistan, um, but you go up to, gosh, the Civil War, you know, 300,000, World War II, 400,000, World War I, 100,000. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. 58,000 in Vietnam. I mean, look, you want that to... Sh- you want that number to be low, not high. I would trade months on the calendar to be on the bottom of this list every single time. Of course, the best thing to is, you know, uh, of all of this is to stay off the list entirely. And if at all possible, that is where we should be. Less wars, don't want any wars, don't want it to happen again. We all understand that there are times that it has to happen, but we really don't want any more wars. We want to have as few as possible. But when we do have them, we want them to be uh, less deadly. Making decisions based on a round number like 20 years or because we're all tired of seeing the clock tick one more time is not the best way to form an international policy. Instead of counting the days, we should make sure we go to war as infrequently as possible. We should only go when we absolutely have to. And if we do go, we shouldn't worry that much about the calendar. We should worry about protecting the American homeland, the American people, our allies on the ground, and most importantly, protecting the lives of our troops. Trying to buy or sell a home in these times can be challenging. Uh, really, anything right now is challenging. You know, everyone, you know, the, your city's going to burn to the ground these days. But you need a real estate agent who is going to come in and take charge, going to know where the best neighborhoods are. They're going to know what you need to do to sell your house and get the best price for it. Uh, They're going to know all of these things because realestateagentsitrust.com are people who you can actually depend on, people who know the market, people who know know, what is the best way to stage a home, for example. So important. I mean, it can make a big difference when someone walks in and it feels cramped and and, and they're closed in or it feels nice and open and welcoming. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Look, I don't know your decorating uh, capacity. your, Your house might be hideously ugly. I don't know. I mean, that's just what to you. You can live in a hideously ugly house or uh, you can have a wonderful uh, open house when people come in to see it. I don't know. It's up to you. I mean, I don't know how you've designed your house. I'm just saying if if you have my level of decorating capacity, you're going to need some help. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Get more information now at realestateagentsitrust.com. Get a real partner in your real estate transaction at realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy to welcome back to the program the one and only Chad Prather, host of the Chad Prather Show right here on Blaze TV. Chad will, I don't know why, but he will be returning as a panelist on the second Power Hour tomorrow night, uh, the 250th anniversary of the Studios America program uh, on our YouTube channel. Uh, I mean, it's going to be an extravaganza. Chad, I don't understand your decision making here. Why would you come back on this? Uh, It's always good to be on this stupid show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) uh, especially when there's free booze. Yes. Yeah. We need to get our guests drunk more often. I'm telling you, I've told you before. Mm -hmm. I've told your viewers before. Mm -hmm. The last time we did this, Mm -hmm. I requested have a trash can on set. (laughs) There was no trash can. And right behind that backdrop, I eloquently puked. Yes. (laughs) Quite... 
I elicited. I, I, I took the microphone off calmly. I knew it was coming mm -hmm. and went about seven feet. <laughs> it was it, not pretty back there. It was not good. All I know is I just saw people walking back there with mops for the next like 10 minutes. <laughs> there was a dog running over there. <laughs> oh, gosh. I can't wait, man. It's mm. going to be fun. It was a fun time last time. It's going to be great. Uh, I think it's going to be fun this time. We've got some cool stuff planned. I will say, though, like, because we talked about having you back on. I mean, you were, <laughs> your vomiting was the star of the exactly. show, I must say. Uh, and we wanted to make sure you came back on. And then I, I heard that you're like, you know, we talked about it on the power hour that you're going to run for governor. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. I, I, I ask you this every time you're on. I'm like, is this a bit? Are you really doing it? According, and then, according to the state of Texas, I'm doing it. You're doing it. Yeah. Now you're doing it. And you're doing my stupid power hour. That's does that right. make, how does that make sense? I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I think it's I think it's fantastic. Okay. I, I think that uh, I think that's exactly what politicians need to be doing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't consider myself a politician, of course. I, I I think that's exactly the thing that people ought to be doing before they go represent somebody else, and that is puke amongst the people, <laughs> drink amongst the people, puke amongst the people. Look, all major movements throughout history, most of the most of them started in a pub, a tavern, or a bar, mm. right? American Revolution. Mm. Uh, there, there's so many things. They started in, in the meeting places over a beer, you know? Yeah. So why not political greatness starting right here from this set? Right. It's Stu's power hour. You actually made that eloquent. Now I like feel like it's a good decision. <laughs> See? Uh, I, I can justify anything. <laughs> yeah. Have you thought about Pray Third 22, puke among the people? <laughs> That's a good slogan. Listen, I, the t-shirt the I want to make and they won't let me do it. Mm. Chad Prather, he's not kinky. <laughs> oh yeah see yeah. i think that is i think that is a barn burner right yeah. there and they're like nope that's not the message we're trying to get out and i'm like no. it's so on brand for it, me it is it is so yeah. wait so how is this progressing like what you've you've actually registered uh, what an exploratory how does this work? no you don't have to have exploratory in texas but we we registered with state you know you have to declare you have to put a treasurer out there you got to get an ein you got to get all of these different mm -hmm. numbers that you I mean you sign your life away basically yeah, right, right you're basically signing up for the texas ethics commissions to penalize you for the rest of your life mm -hmm. uh, because that's why they exist mm -hmm. uh, i was down in austin yesterday i was supposed to speak at a gop uh, event some of the reps kind of got a little butthurt over it because they don't want a candidate coming in and speaking at their event. What they really wanted was the spot to speak themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they mm -hmm. said, well, you bow out. So I had my own little campaign rally event uh, at, a, at a bar down at noon in mm -hmm. Austin on 6th Street, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot Ice House. That's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. Veteran-owned and operated, great place. Uh, in less than 24 hours, had about 40 people show up. Joe Biden can't pull that. He can't do that in, in, in 24 hours. Right. People drove, no, they came not. in, and then we went over to the Capitol where they were having the event, and there were people there waiting to hear me speak. They didn't know that I'd been nixed from the uh, agenda there. So they had really no choice but to hand me the microphone, so I got to speak there as well. <laughs> you did. And then I had numerous meetings with various legislators in there, and it's, it's a disgusting uh, swamp hole. It is a terrible, terrible thing that we have. And you know what? I'm not even worried about the left. It's the people that claim to be on our side. Really? Yeah, the people that claim to be on the conservative side of things. These Republicans, it's, it's an ugly, ugly thing. Man. Is it because like a lack of a spine, lack of a backbone? Is well, it there, a there's, corruption there's, issue? There's, there's spinelessness, but there's also playing with the system. So what I've been saying is if the insiders are scared of an outsider, then it's time to get rid of the insiders, right? Because they don't want outsiders like me who come in with an independent thought, who are just a citizen with, and it's like, look, I've got nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. I've lived my life. Everybody knows the life I've lived. I've been very transparent about it. I'm crazy. <laughs> and I've done it all, man. Mm -hmm. So, so for me to come in 
and make a, a, a rather educated point to the nature of the affairs of Texas right now mm-hmm. and say these are some things we could be doing about it because let's face it, the guys that we have in office right now, the majority of them, they're not doing it. There's some good people in Austin. Yeah. Good men and women. No, Don't get true. me wrong. There's some great folks that are representing the state. But there's folks that just aren't getting anything done because they're protecting their place. This is one of the interesting things I think about you running as a candidate and that like if you're running in New York, mm-hmm. right, like there would be an obvious like we need someone who's not Andrew Cuomo. Right, right? right. Like, I mean, Greg Abbott's had his problems, um, but he's not the worst governor in America. No, he's not. He's done respectable things. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think he's gotten to establishment at this point. Mm-hmm. And without going into the details that I know, because I'm not trying to smear the guy or anything else. I, I, sure. I think overall he's a, he's a good, decent human being. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not, that's not what I'm after. But I don't like... Uh, a guy who's sitting in the governor's chair who's just trying to get elected to the next office. Those are the decisions he's making. So I keep putting stuff on social media and then Greg Abbott comes out and makes a statement and everybody's like, yes, and he's patting himself on his back about doing these great things, whether he's unmandating or taking away the masks or, or whatever he's do, doing these various things of vaccine passports. People go, wow, you're really influencing him. I said, I'm not. It's not me. It's Ron DeSantis. Mm-hmm. who makes a, a statement, and then Greg Abbott waits five days <laughs> to see what the public opinion is going to be of yeah. it, and then he comes out and does the same thing himself. But the difference is Abbott is saying it, he's not doing it, and that's the big difference. Um, when when Abbott lifted a lot of the restrictions here uh, a month ago or so, whatever it was, yep. Glenn was on the air on the radio show, and he said, you know, it's just, it's just pissing me off. And I said, well, what's, what's pissing you off about it? And he said, I'm pissed off because Texas wasn't first. Mm-hmm. Like Texas is supposed to be the first state that does right. this. Texas is supposed to be the one state that doesn't shut down. And, and, and is that the sort of is that what you're capturing? That that moment from Texas, who, from yeah. Texans who are just like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be leading this thing. Yeah. Anybody that studies Texas history knows there's, there's a rich heritage. There were a lot of misfits who came to this state because they wanted to fight a dictator's uh, uh, encroachment. A revolution was in the air and these people came from all over the rest of the United States to fight. And they under the promise of land and all of these things uh, and new start. A lot of them were getting away from something. They, they were alcoholics. They left their wives. They were they were business people that were failed. Uh, they were in many ways charlatans, some of them. But they came here and they did something great. Texas mm. has never had a fighting force over a thousand men since 1800. Right. Uh, that's pretty impressive when you figure what we did at San Jacinto. These are the type of history lessons that are out there. And that blood kind of runs in these Texas misfits. They want to be first. They want to lead and, and they want to walk with that humble arrogance that Texans tend to exude. And that's exactly right. Right now they're they're debating uh, uh, House Bill 1927, which is constitutional carry. There's 18 states that already have that. Texas doesn't have that. How do we and, not? And, and like you would think Texas would be one of the first ones to have it. And, and they're still arguing over the amendments. They've been doing it since this morning. It's, it's insane that we're having to do this. And some of the things that these Republican uh, legislators are voting against is absolutely uh, insane when you figure that th- th- these should be a given in the state of Texas. Um, but we're playing politics. Yeah. As you know, I, uh, my house is you know, currently yeah. a complete catastrophe. My entire first floor is ruined right. because uh, we had pipes burst. Um, now, uh, we didn't really have too much uh, of a connection to what uh, the main problems that happened uh, in in Texas because we kept our heat and our electricity and that still happened. Mm-hmm. But so many people had this, you know, their lives, livelihoods and lives destroyed here. Yeah. Homes, uh, you know, or in repair, hundreds of thousands of dollars of repair out of their house, living in hotels. It just seemed like more could have been done. There wasn't right. preparation there. 
I mean, that is one of those things that I think is, is, is central to Texas. You take responsibility for yourself. You try to you try to, to prepare uh, for your for, for whatever catastrophe comes around the corner. Did the state prepare poorly for what happened this past? Uh, so when you've got 25 percent of your power coming from green energy, i.e. these windmills that froze up and were not equipped for these extreme temperatures. Mm-hmm. I understand this is a hundred year storm. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect this kind of thing. Uh, but we're neglecting our number one moneymaker in this state, which is oil and gas. We're neglecting coal because of the planet. I keep telling people, I said, there'll be enough trees left to bury you in a coffin. Like, they'll, they'll be able to make a coffin <laughs> for you, and mm-hmm. there'll be a dirt to put you in. Mm-hmm. And, and the cleanest energy source, nuclear, we're not talking about those things. We want to go green. Uh, they gave Greg Abbott a trophy for being the greenest guy in the in the really? America. Yeah, in the middle of this, this, this snowmageddon. Mm. Uh, so these are the kind of things that not only were we not planned and prepared for it, we're still not fixing it because two days ago we all got notices from ERCOT, which of course is our power grid that says we need everyone in Texas to conserve their energy yeah. this afternoon or we're going to be at another crisis. Which says we, it's like we've got an early spring, 90 degree weather. We can't run our air conditioning because we're not ready in Texas to run our AC. <laughs> so these are the kind of things that, that it's just a mess. And, and it's in we have non-Texans running Texas from outside of Texas. And as I keep saying, Texas isn't the Texas that most Texans think it is anymore. Mm. Um, I keep thinking and I keep flashing forward in my head of this campaign rolling on and just seeing attack ads of this power hour. Yeah. Like, we are going to be on TV. They're gonna I'm going like, to give them so many sound bites <laughs> and so many, so much uh, visual fodder. Yeah. It's, I mean, tune into this thing tomorrow night because I think you tweeted it. How often do you get a, a, a gubernatorial candidate uh, to come on and, and drink 60 shots of beer in 60 minutes? Uh, I love the sound bites. I love giving it to them. Uh, these it, it, these people are brutal. They're sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they the whisper campaigns that are out there, the attempts at smear, uh, they're horrible. Yeah. And I just say, look, somebody said to me, said, are you ready for the death threats? I'm like, are you kidding me? I've been getting death threats for five years. Right. <laughs> it's a, that's <laughs> it's easy, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, the, it's the smear and the lies that come out. Those are the things that you just have to shake your head and say, you know, this is this is the dirtiest of politics that exist. It's a it's a terrible, terrible nasty industry it is well tomorrow night's gonna be fun oh yeah i think if when we get into this campaign maybe one of the primaries we'll we'll invite greg abbott whoever else is running we'll do a power hour debate yeah right here on the set i mean that would be i think people would tune into that i can out drink him yeah Something tells me that is 100% true, <laughs> especially after watching you last time with Bill Richmond. Well, uh, see, okay, what a lot of people don't understand is yeah. half-Asian lawyer Bill Richmond, he was he was doctoring his beer shots with whiskey. Yes, And I was, was like, I- well, that looks like fun. So I started doing that, too. Yeah. And my issue wasn't that I drank. It's just the sheer volume of it. Yes. you got to find a relief valve. But Bill was taking shots of whiskey, actual shots of whiskey, at the at the bottom of the minute, <laughs> I don't know how he was doing that. I, he's a machine. He's a machine. He's a machine. I, he, unfortunately, he couldn't make it for this one uh, this yeah. time. But we got to have him back too because that was uh, stop that was a half Asian hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, we're we're involved in the AAPI hate here. We there didn't have half Asian leader Bill Richmond back. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, don't miss it. Chad Prather, of course, is the host of the Chad Prather Show and candidate for governor right here on Blaze TV. Uh, be sure not to miss uh, Chad on tomorrow night's Power Hour. It's happening at 9 p.m. Eastern right after this stupid show and it's available only on the studios america youtube channel so you gotta go there go there and subscribe now check it out it's gonna be a lot of fun chad thanks for coming in i hope we don't sink your campaign tomorrow i'm gonna get drunk (laughs) that's definitely true back in a second
So as you may know, uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks. Uh, she's terrible. Uh, in fact, I have a pen here that says exactly that in her handwriting. Nancy Pelosi sucks pen.com. Make sure you get some. There's a few left uh, in stock. Uh, make sure to pick some up uh, here of this latest shipment. I will say there's only one strange way uh, and time that Nancy Pelosi doesn't suck. And I know that's a controversial thing to bring up. Uh, what do you mean Nancy Pelosi doesn't suck at one particular moment in time? There's just there's one thing about her that doesn't suck which is she seems to legitimately hate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I mean, she really does not like the squad at all. There's a new book out. We kind of mocked, uh, talked about it the other day. Um, Pelosi is mocking Ocasio-Cortez and the squad in a new book by talking like a baby. See how perfect I am and how pure. She really does seem to not like Ocasio-Cortez. So, I mean, she's not all bad. I give her that point. By the way, uh, there was a, uh, a sort of squad-generated... Uh, bill, and it was also through Nadler and, and a bunch of people on the far left uh, s requesting a change in the Supreme Court from nine to 13 justices. I told you here yesterday it was not going to, you know, it's not something that was realistically going to happen, but still it's amazing that they're going for it. Well, Pelosi shut it down. She said, uh, no, we're not even going to bring it to the floor. We're not even going to give it a vote. Uh, she just doesn't want anything to do with this. Uh, you know, and of course, Pelosi's always playing politics, which is really the main uh, thing she's thinking about in, in almost all of these situations. Uh, but, and she correctly sees that the American people think it's nuts. You know, what do you mean? We're going to add Supreme Court justices. We're going to have every new administration is going to add a bunch more. We're, everyone's going to be on the Supreme Court eventually. You and I will have our own Supreme Court seat. The final vote will be like, you know, 300, or 150 million to 170 million, and we'll call it a day. Um, before I leave you, though, I want to give you one, one additional really strong perspective. We've heard some great voices from the past just shunning what a dumb idea packing the court is. It's a terrible idea. We all know that. We've all known it forever. I thought we'd bring one of these, a great conservative legal mind back for you and uh, express, express exactly why the Supreme Court uh, should not be packed. Uh, it just sounds really, really dumb. Uh, and that person, of course, is Joe Biden. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. And it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Of course, the founders clearly said that Congress was the most superior branch, but don't don't worry about that part of the analysis. Let me tell you about something that you should know about Gmail. Yahoo, free email, right? Sounds great, except they're not really free. And you pay with your privacy. Since those companies have access to every email you send and receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. Is that what you wanna be part of? That's why I use StartMail to secure my email. StartMail uh, keeps my email private, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. With StartMail, deleted means deleted. This is a crazy concept they came up with. What if you click delete and it actually deleted the thing you tried to delete. 
When you delete an email with Startmail, it's gone forever. And Startmail uses their own servers, which, you know, not like Amazon's or anything like that. They, can, they can't be put out of business like Parler. Startmail is backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. Start securing your email privacy with Startmail. Uh, right now, you can sign up and you'll get 50% off your first year. Go to startmail.com slash stew, S-T-A-R-T, startmail.com slash stew, startmail.com slash stew for 50% off your first year, S-T-A-R-T-M-A-I-L.com slash stew. I'm joined once again by Elijah Schaefer, host of Slightly, Slightly Offensive, right here on Blaze TV. Elijah, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me back on. I'm assuming things aren't going well in our country because anytime yeah. we're, we're meeting, I know. things are kind of bad. I feel bad. We need to come have you back like for just something positive. Yeah, there's going to be like, oh, like my dog had puppies. And I'm like, <laughs> just to like break the ice. I feel like when I'm sitting here, it's like, mm -hmm. there's a city on fire again. Yeah. <laughs> and shockingly, you're right on this one. Uh, before we get into that, uh, f first of all, I went to the dentist today and I got numb on half of my face. So I can't tell. I can't tell if I like, I can't feel my mouth. I, I'm probably going to slur half my words. I'm not hammered. That's tomorrow night. I'm getting drunk tomorrow night on the air. Tonight I'm not hammered. I'm going to try not to slur my words, but it's very If you hard. slur a little more, you might be a candidate for the next president of the United States. Yeah, that's true. Apparently that's one of the job qualifications I like now. that. By the way, uh, I want to bring this up. Uh, tomorrow night is our 250th anniversary power hour. Congratulations. Thank you very much. We have 250 episodes and we count all of them as anniversaries. Um, however, you were invited to be on this power hour. And I, wanted, I want you to know that the, what I heard coming back was that you couldn't do it because you were eating healthy. Is this accurate? Okay, so I have a Vegas trip planned. Okay. And I, well, marshmallows are good treats, especially over the fire. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been trying to be a little bit healthier because I don't want to be a marshmallow. Right. <laughs> and I was, I, was at a, I was at Cabela's and I was putting on some riot gear actually. And I looked mm. at myself in the mirror and I thought, <laughs> Like I was becoming twice the man that I was yesterday, right. very quickly. So I, I'm proud to say I've lost 14 pounds wow. in six weeks, and I was trying to just avoid carbs, kind of. So no, that's great. I know it sounds a little bit like oh, the carbs, but like <laughs> I just I just don't want to be a billowy fat man. And, and you want to look good in your riot gear. That's really important. Yeah. you gotta look your best. You gotta in look good when you're running away from communist <laughs> terrorists. You gotta at least turn back and smile for the hit piece. You know. <laughs> so let's look. Let's look at what's going on in Minnesota. Uh, we've seen some of the footage, uh, you know, look, I asked a question earlier this week on the show, which was, is it ever possible for a shooting from of the police of a of an African-American? Is it ever possible that that's not racism? Because this if that's I mean, if that's the truth, if, that, if it is possible, this has to be an example of that. It seems like a terrible mistake. Yeah, I know. This is the visceral, emotional swing the country is addicted to and conservatives are like this too mm. during the george floyd uh shooting uh, i would say not shooting but the kneeling on the neck right, right? Mm. this is a different way that somebody died mm -hmm. even conservatives were were, were were pushed by the emotion and are like i'm so heartbroken by by what i've seen this was the worst thing i've ever seen and by no means i'm going to make a mockery of george floyd's life or even you know talk course, down yeah. the fact that somebody died while in police custody it's a heavy thing and it has an emotional response for people mm -hmm. But for people to like lie and say that was the worst thing you've ever seen reminds me of like the pundits today telling me that getting the vaccine shot was the most euphoric experience they ever had. <laughs> right. Like we got to be real with this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and you know we saw the consequence of pundits running with narrative with George Floyd. It led to the destruction of American cities. Mm -hmm. And we should have learned our lesson by now. We should have learned. And so when you have this shooting, and I'm telling you this, the Daily Beast had has had to make retractions even mm -hmm. because when the media. And people start out in the shooting and going, 
This was a racist attack that a white cop just pulled over a black man for having air fresheners in his in his car, right. and now he's dead. And that's the story they ran with, mm -hmm. and that's why we're seeing the fallout we have today, where Daily Beast even ran that, that the police shot him because of air fresheners, had to make retractions, but the damage was already done, the riots already started, the, the civil unrest is in play, and that's the point, is when it comes to a black victim of a shooting where the cop is white, they will immediately create an emotional narrative to freak people out and make it feel like it's unsafe to be black in America and that you're just being hunted by the police. And you can almost guarantee 10 out of 10 times that the initial narrative you hear about a police involved shooting of a black man is probably false. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like these, but this one even though from the beginning, like I, you know, it, 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 as soon as the video is released, it's pretty clear that this was not, I can't even, what's the scenario? She, she's like, I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna make sure a black man's pulled over. I mean, I work with other black men, but I'm gonna make sure that they're, I guess, not in the way. And I'm gonna fire my gun at the African-American in the car, even though I'm yelling taser. And it, the second it happens, I mean, she overtly, you, you know, she could tell she obviously didn't mean to do it. At least it sounds like that to me. Um, that doesn't make it okay. I mean, like if it was my brother or my son who got shot in a mistake, I would feel really pissed off about it. I wouldn't go loot a shoe store but I would be really pissed off about it. Uh, this, the media just wants, to, like, you know, they want to build this into something so that they can make it, um, they can build that narrative. And that narrative is so important. It, it, wouldn't it be just, wouldn't it be journalism <laughs> to just report the facts? I always say it's this- a curse word now, you can't yeah, use it that is. anymore. I always say learn, then protest, right? If, if you learn, because the order is important there, you can't mm -hmm. protest, then learn. You need to learn, then protest. And that seems to be the opposite of what everyone does. Yet nobody cares about truth in this situation because the victim card has already been played and this is where the black community constantly gets taken advantage of here because ultimately what neighborhood was destroyed? It was a yeah. black, predominantly black Bears. neighborhood, mm -hmm. right? Who's the victim of this? When the white anarchists come in and burn the buildings down after they've been looted by the local community the night before, who suffers? They, no grocery stores that are gonna wanna come in there like big name chains, no other chains wanna have stores. It's just, it's just too volatile. It's not worth the investment, right? Mm -hmm. People move out, businesses move out. You have, you have a, a, a repercussions financially. People you know, can't get work, the house values drop. I mean, there's real world implications from these things happening and the media doesn't care because the media is too busy. Like I read today when they're going, you know, uh, 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 one of our guys in our military he was black and he had to wear a heavy chain as punishment. Do you know how racist this is? And then our military goes, no, 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 no. We didn't make him wear a chain because he was black as punishment. That's just a punishment that we've made lots of people do. Right, right. And they go, oh yeah, but you don't see the implications of making a black man wear a chain? And you go, no, because we're in the military and we're also gonna put him out in the front lines to get shot at. We do a lot of things that could be <laughs> perceived as being racist. <laughs> this is the military, it's, it's, a, it's, a hard, it's a hard life and we're trying to train people to take on the consequences if, the, if they you know, don't listen to us. And everyone's going, this is racism, we have to reform the military. And it's just, there are real racial discrepancies in, in our country. Mm -hmm. There's real issues and differences that people need to work out. But when you micro pick out every interaction, you go, oh, there you go. Let's let's sow racial tension in the country while we have disinformation about the Dante Wright story. Let's say that the military is racist. Let's make everything seem like it's racist. It's like we don't even know what the truth is anymore. And when you see that this officer getting arrested, whatever, for, for, for like basically for murder, right? She's getting arrested for committing a murder, getting charged. You watch that video and all you can you can conclude is, is two things. There was two colossal mistakes made. Yeah. One of them, of course, was an officer mistaking her taser, uh, I mean, her gun as her taser. Yeah. The other colossal mistake was resisting arrest mm -hmm. and trying to drive away. Mm -hmm. 
if he did not resist arrest and try to drive away, the second one wouldn't have happened. It yeah. doesn't excuse error. No. But it's like if you want to start freaking out about errors in the workplace, wait till you see how many people die from medical errors. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like I would be pissed if I was them too. But there's not any evidence to say this was a racially motivated shooting. But it doesn't matter because right now on Twitter, the predominant story that has stuck, which is where a news circulates, is that a black man was gunned down by a white officer for hanging an air freshener in their car. And that's what will stick. Remember Trayvon Martin? It was the Skittles. He was a young yeah. man walking home and he died from Zimmerman from having Skittles, mm -hmm. or you know, Ahmaud Arbery was just a man jogging down the street, or they always say this, and there's always more to the story. Shoot, yeah, hands uh, up, don't Michael shoot, never Brown. even happened. Yeah, never even happened. Um, so it's impossible to predict the future, but you know this stuff probably better than anybody. You've been in the middle of all these situations. Is there any verdict that could come out of this Derek Chauvin case that would lead to no riots? Is there anything that could happen in the justice system that would lead to the, you know, Minneapolis not being on fire. Executing him at the National Mall. And that's what they want. <laughs> yeah. They want him to turn around and sh they want to blow his brains out. And they want to put a gun to his head. That's what they want. Chelsea Handler saying, why do we need, why, you know, why do we need this? We, we have a video. Why do we need justice? Why do we need a court proceeding? These people mm. want communist style gulag firing squad just come out and execute this guy on live national TV. And that would satisfy them. It wouldn't be the last of the deaths. They, their, their, their hunt for blood wouldn't end. But they say no justice, no peace. They actually mean, if it's not my justice, no peace. Mm -hmm. Because they want to let people know that if, if the mob is not in charge, that we will make you pay. And they don't like our constitution. They don't like our justice system. They don't believe in the jury of peers and what could be you know, delegated out as a, as a final verdict. These people want blood. They want brains on the steps of, the, on the steps of our monuments. I'm telling you. Mm. And if we actually go about this the right way, like Reuters said, they're already gaslighting the public for riots. They go, this is the verdict is going to be the, the biggest case of police misconduct in decades. Like, who knows what's going to happen? You go, you know, because you know that these are not random protests and random riots, as we saw from the Time article. This is sustained pressure from the far left paramilitary to let people know corporations, the Supreme Court, like we saw in the elections, and even specifically the justice system realize mm. If you try to do things the American way, then there's going to be blood to pay. There's blood and destruction. And that's how they're gaining control of things. People are freaked out, man. This is terrifying. Um, so last question for you. If you're, let's say you own a grocery store in Minneapolis. This is maybe not a great market to sell in. Um, but you know, <laughs> right around the corner, time. this stuff is coming. What do you do? I mean, do you pack up and leave? Do you board the thing up and hope for the best? I mean, would you remain in a city like this after all this stuff happened? No. It's, it's foolishness. I mean, I think even Target's moving out of, of that city. Uh, I'm pretty sure their headquarters, everything. Mm. Business is not going into that place. If you're a small business owner, or even just a midsize or, or a franchise, these people will destroy your business. They do not care. And this is a very sad thing. And the cities do not protect you. And they no, don't care about that's you. That's been the most surprising thing. I mean, I, right. I, 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 I roll through a stop sign and get pulled over. Like, these guys are going through and clearing out an entire freaking super Target. And no one does anything. The police don't even arrest them. I've, I've been in stores with looters and where the police entered in and I'm thinking I'm going to go to jail. And they're just like, get out of here. Go, get out. I'm not even joking. Like, get out. This is in Philadelphia. Like, get out of here. I'm like, yeah. people are looting this Walmart. And it's like, go, get out, get out. And they're just, literally, that's all they say. And you're wow. going, imagine you're a business owner. It's your entire livelihood. And the police's response, the police response to protecting your business is just <laughs> shooing people away with a baton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even get hit. They were just like, go, get out. Yeah. I'm like, 
You only want to see like a press credential or something? Right. Cool, man. I'm glad to know you don't care about your business owners in your in your country. And then you watch the reaction online too. Everyone always says they have insurance. Yeah. Like as yeah. if this is just an okay precedent. You know that rioting and pro this this rioting and looting is now a part of American culture. Yeah. It is a precedent and it is a defining moment in our nation. This is now a part of our society. And I'm, it is. It's not going away anytime soon. I mean, next time you're coming back with puppies, we're gonna yeah. have a litter of puppies and they're gonna be adorable. And then we're just going to put them on and we're going to talk about puppies for like 15 minutes. Because uh, I know you're like a warning sign now. The, when the country's burning down, Elijah's in that chair and it's starting to scare me. Yeah, you know, and I know that things are bad <laughs> yeah. because when I when I start getting asked to to go, I've been going to like a lot of shows right now and mm -hmm. like I even more to comment on the state of things going on. Yeah. Isn't it sad that we're getting like riot experts? Like you never thought in like the news <laughs> right. punditry yeah. Yeah. that there was people who like Jason Rance or people who are now becoming like, experts to call when there's riots right that's sad because those experts shouldn't exist besides law enforcement for a special unit for when and if something might happen right the fact that we now have people who are specializing in this mm. shows you how far our country is behind and as this happens we have a border czar who hasn't visited the border we have the most popular president in history guarded by our military and a security fence i mean listen to this we have a, a, a very chubby short man <laughs> that has his mask embroidered <laughs> with his initials jerry nadler introducing legislation to pack the Supreme Court. I mean, mm. we are living in a joke country, but with the same real consequences that have plagued all of humanity. And that's what's happening. The insane asylum is running the country. Mm. And what we're seeing is the fallout is what you would expect at any time. Chaos, distrust, and a lack of order. And unfortunately, if you're in an American city, you're a business owner, you live there, I would say now's the time if your government's Democrat, probably get out. Mm. Elijah Schaefer, host of Blaze TV's Slightly Offensive. You can get more all the updates on what's going on in Minneapolis and everywhere else on his show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to it. Elijah, thanks for coming on. Thank man. you so much. Alright, back in a second. You know, my wife came to me a couple of years ago and was like, I, I ordered these Built Bars. They're amazing. And you're not going to believe all these flavors that we have. And she explained all this to me. And, and I was like, well, they're healthy. So I'm, I'm not really interested. But she got really excited about it. Started talking about it on her Instagram page over and over again. She ordered box after box. We have an entire shelf of our fridge that is loaded with Built Bars. All different flavors. All different amazing things. Uh, eventually, she started talking to Tanya about, about Built Bars. And then Glenn got on Built Bars. And now everybody here is on Built Bar. Built Bar is blown up because they they have the best flavors and they care about taste first. So the taste is always going to be good. And then you add on to that, it's healthy. And I mean, it even fits Elijah's diet, I'm pretty sure. So you can check that out. Uh, Elijah, uh, it will, of course, I'm sure we'll get you, we'll get you a box of I love, bars. I love them actually. Yeah. They're so good. And here's the weird part about them mm -hmm. is that they this might turn people off, but it's good for me. It's real chocolate. Yeah. So you feel like you're actually getting a treat. And I like things sweet, but not too sweet. Mm -hmm. So it's like that nice semi-sweet, real chocolate flavor. And you're getting protein and it's low cal. So it's kind of, it takes that sugar fix away from like the right. craving. Yeah, there you go. I mean, there, can't say it better than that. BuiltBar.com. Stu15 is the code. You get 15% off your first order. Stu15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. A New Jersey man is filing a lawsuit in Manhattan federal court. Uh, he needed some cash and decided to try to sell his organs, just like any you know, red-blooded American would, and found out it was illegal. What country do we live in here? I'm sorry, last I checked, we live in America, where we have a free market. If you have something of value, you can sell it for a profit. That's how this works. And this dude thinks his organs will do more good in a different body than... Gosh darn it, I support the right to sell them off. Also, dibs on his liver, uh, because after tomorrow night's power hour, he may very well need that. 
Um, by the way, Power Hour is tomorrow night. Don't miss this. Do it with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go to Studos America on YouTube. Uh, 250th anniversary Power Hour. One shot of beer per minute for 60 minutes as we attempt to talk politics at the same time. It's going to be a disaster. Be part of it on YouTube tomorrow night. We'll see you then.